Welcome everybody, my name is Joel and this is episode 60 of the Enneagram Journey Podcast with Suzanne Stabile, the Enneagram Godmother. Today's guests are Anne Willett, an Enneagram 8, and her daughter, Caroline Willett, a 4. What does Anne say the stress word for 8s is? What is success for an 8 mother raising 3 daughters? That's defined by both Anne and Caroline. And what do they see eye to eye on? And what is the biggest disconnect for them? How does Caroline relate to anger, to her mother's anger? How does Anne relate to shame? Today's plug is an easy one. Hopefully Suzanne is headed your direction. In September, she's going to be in Los Angeles teaching on Enneagram stances, and also the Reverend will be there teaching on centering prayer. Later in September, Suzanne will be teaching Know Your Number in Minneapolis. And then in November, she's gonna be teaching Know Your Number in Philadelphia. Minneapolis and Philadelphia for the entire month of June are 20% off. So go ahead and hop on over to lifeinthetrinityministry.com and register and save a little bit of coin. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and come see us. Los Angeles, Minneapolis, Philadelphia. Caroline, I want to know for you as a four, the question is, what's it like to have an eight mom? Or a mom who's an eight. And then... I want you to do the same thing and talk about and what it's like to have Caroline, who's a four, daughter. And then we'll talk about the other two so they don't feel left out. There's not stuff. Like, we'll get all the work done. We we need to get all the work done. I'm clear on that. But I want us to establish that you're so different from one another. And then we'll talk about how you found each other. So I experience so much feeling all the time. Like, it's how I take in information. It's just my way of being, you know. And for my mom, I think she's the opposite. Like, she doesn't really feel her feelings other than anger, I think. And so for me, as a kid, it was confusing to know how to feel um, and for that to be okay. And I think intuitively, I just kind of turned inward to experience those feelings within myself instead of kind of expressing those outwardly. And it wasn't until I, you know, learned the Enneagram that I actually started to refer to myself as a feeler. Oh yeah. Because I was uncomfortable with it, but I didn't, that was who I was. You know, I couldn't hide that. And at the time, you know, I always had music and things to have a safe way to express all of that. So Without that, I probably would have been, you know, explosive more or Mm -hmm. reactive more. Mm -hmm. You know, my mom is, I always knew what to expect. She laid down the law, but was also, I mean, she's so nurturing too. And she always said that being a mother was the most important thing to her. Mm -hmm. And it's the biggest thing that she wanted in life. And so even in her you know, sternness and willingness to, um, there was an ease about discipline with her. Mm -hmm. Because it was predictable and reliable. Right, right. right. And because she knew that there was the right thing for us. Right. And there wasn't any guilt. It didn't seem like there was guilt about that for her. You know, some, I think some parents struggle with discipline. Yeah. It feels wrong to, or it feels somehow like they need to, um, reason with themselves to discipline like yeah. this just feels bad but I have to and it's I, gonna hurt you more than it hurts me yeah yeah that I didn't really line. hear that 
this is going to hurt you and I'm not going to, not going to bother me at all. <laughs> yeah. But I think with my mom, like she doesn't hold on to it. Like it's done. Yeah. After, after she has the conversation, it's over. Yeah, and she's, nice. yeah. Yeah. Like she lets go of it. And I struggle with that one. <laughs> if you can imagine. Bit, yeah. All right. So, um, let me ask this. Do you think part of the comfort uh, along with the fact that she was consistent mm -hmm. and you knew what was going to happen and when it was over, it was over. I think sometimes, no, that's not true. I think most of the time fours don't feel safe out in the world. Hmm. Did you feel safety? Like, did she, she's so big in the world. Mm -hmm. Did it make you feel safe? Yeah. 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 And she's, she's so encouraging. Like mm -hmm. she would tell us all the time, like you can do this, you know, like she's the best pep talker. You know, she gives pep talks. She's your cheerleader. Like she'll get behind you. And I think for her, like success as a parent was just to raise three independent women who are self-reliant and, mm -hmm. you know, like you can do this. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't experience her needing to be needed at all. Mm -hmm. Like it was okay if we needed help, but I think for her it was much more satisfying for us to figure it out. Yep. Yep. Okay, Anne, what was it like for you as an eight to have a daughter who's a four? And I'm using past tense because y'all have worked out a lot of stuff, which we're going to get to. Mm -hmm. So I kind of want to talk about back in the day. When, when she yeah. was a little girl. Yeah. Caroline was a melancholy child, and I didn't know what to do with that. Yeah. Um, I, uh, she was a very tender child, and she was the one of our three daughters that was the mama's girl. The older two were uh, more drawn to, you know, playing games with daddy, and Caroline would cuddle up with me on the couch, and I loved that because I, I feel... Um, even though I don't feel my feelings like she does, I, I very much want to nurture. Mm -hmm. And um, so I love that she'd cuddle with me on the couch mm -hmm. and she wanted to be with me. Mm -hmm. And um, she's um, three years younger than her next older sister. So when they were all in school, it was the two of us at home. I worked part-time, but was also home a good bit. And so we would go to the grocery store together. We spent a lot of time together and played together and talked together. Um, and there were times, which I, and I have apologized and repented of this many times, but more <laughs> than true. once, I said, when Caroline was kind of flopped on the bottom of the staircase, mm -hmm. just because something just was not going well. I remember saying, clearly saying, you need to go upstairs to your room and you just stay up there until you're happy. Mm -hmm. And then you come on back down. And I know now, mm -hmm. because I know the Enneagram, that she was having a lot of feelings. Mm -hmm. And I was, I, I sometimes didn't know what to do with it. This last uh, weekend, I taught in St. Louis. And... Uh, Joe preached on Sunday at one of the churches, and some of the people were there. And this woman came up to me on Sunday morning, and she said, uh, I know you don't think we should uh, give numbers to children, assign numbers to children. That's always the lead-in sentence that's followed by, but I've done it anyway. 
And she said, but I have assigned, I, I think our little boy for sure is a four. And I said, well, what makes you think that? And this is what she said. She said, well, he's only four years old, but he did come up to me the other day and say, you know, I think I'm just going to feel sad because it makes me so happy to be sad. <laughs> that's great. Isn't that great? That's so that's great. good. That is it's, so good. Yeah. It's like, that's it. This, this makes me happy. And I guess we could have all been happy raising four children if it didn't make us uncomfortable. So, right. I know we're not supposed to type our children. However. <laughs> but... So Joel th- is leaning forward because he has a lot to learn today. <laughs> and I've got the microphone that is, uh, I think there's a good chance that two of our four children are fours, but one, I feel really strongly that he's a four. And, you know, when you flop it down, go upstairs, well, my, where I feel like I've grown is it wasn't go to your room, be happy. It, first it was just stop. Like there's not a space in the house for this behavior. <laughs> See and how lucky you were, Caroline? See? <laughs> At least you got to go to your room and be sad. Yeah. yeah. The next time she repairs, yeah. she's going to say, I know I did that, but you got but, to do it in your room. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and now with a little bit of growth on my end and a little bit of encouragement and help, it's, it's okay. Now I say, it's okay for you to feel this and you need to go feel it in your room. This is, mm-hmm. this is, mm-hmm. and it's not because I'm uncomfortable. It just, his emotions at this age, there's no rhyme or reason. And, you know, don't, in the middle of the living room is not the place to cry over this happened on a show or something, just the craziest things or nothing. Like, why are you crying? I don't know. Just, <laughs> yeah. Oh, all right. Well, go cry about that in your room. The thing that's fascinating to me right now is I'm looking at Ann. She's shaking her head. No. And I look at Caroline. She's shaking her head. Yes. It's like, yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. All right. So your dad's nine. Yes. So there's that reality of... Uh, uh, parents who don't look at all like each other. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yes, yeah. that's like, true. Hello. And tell me, talk a little bit about the other two girls so all the listeners know who your sisters are and who this, who makes up this family. Okay. So, yeah, my dad's a nine. And um, I mean, growing up, if we asked, if we could do something, if we asked my dad, you know, it's immediately go, just ask your mom. Mm-hmm. Like, if she wasn't there, and he was very involved as a parent, um, and still is, but it was definitely, they wanted to be this united front of, you know, you can't answer shop, you can't, you know, we're, I remember, gosh, I, I got a good story about my nine dad. Good. So I have always had such a sensitivity for animals, and I've, I love animals, and uh, I was probably eight. I just thought I needed a kitten. I'm old enough. I'm responsible. I can take care of a cat. And I was talking to my dad about it. And I'm saying, you know, look, I could do all this stuff. I could scoop the litter box. I could you know, feed them. You know, I could keep it in my room. And he's nodding. And he's, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you are responsible. Uh-huh. You're all You're that. all validating. And then... You know, there's no yes or no answer, right. of course. It's right. not, let me take you to the pet store yeah, or let's take you to the animal shelter. And then the next day he says, well, you know, your mom and I talked and mm-hmm. it's not time. It's not time for you to get a kitten mm-hmm. yet. Mm-hmm. It kind of made my mom look like the bad guy, of really. Of course it did. Of course it did. So I let, you know, my children's <laughs> father is a nine too. Yeah. And he does the same game. Yeah. 
the, the same game. And then the children think, he wanted me to have a kitten. But she oh, said no. Yeah. Oh, yes, right. that's how it works. Yeah, yeah. so mm-hmm. I, didn't, I didn't get to have one. Oh, yeah. Right. yeah. But just so you know, he does that to me, too. <laughs> like, right. like, he won't say, no, that's not a good idea. Or, no, I'm not going to do that. He just lets me think he's going to do it, and then he doesn't do it. Right. Yeah. It's fascinating. Yeah, it's fascinating. Okay, we're getting a little whipped up about nine. So no, no nine here to take care of themselves. So let's talk about your sisters. What numbers are they? Uh, my oldest sister, we think, is a five. Has she confirmed that? Yes. Okay, my oldest sister is a five. And my middle sister is a two. So that leaves you with withdrawing independent children and with a withdrawing husband. Yes. And there's one aggressive human being. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. What's that like? Then and now. So uh, I brought all the energy to everything. I brought the energy to getting ready to go to church on Sunday morning. I brought the energy to picking out your clothes for school the next day. Lauren was very involved, very uh, hands-on dad. But I was bringing the energy. Mm-hmm. And I was getting organized for back-to-school shopping, and I was thinking ahead to what, you know, put an extra uh, change of clothes with this in case somebody has a mess. And then I I felt, I don't know, 15 years of that. Mm-hmm. We're in the real intense child raising years. Mm-hmm. And now, uh, the way it feels now is uh, it, it is hard sometimes for the parent that brings all the energy to something to kind of, as your children get mm-hmm. to their teens and 20s, to kind of back off mm-hmm. and say, they don't always need my energy, nor do they always want my energy. And it's it's kind of a nice thing with my children, 26, 29, and 30, mm-hmm. to be at a family gathering and actually not be the one that says, okay, y'all want to eat now? Mm-hmm. And what dishes do you want to use? And what are we going to do? Sometimes I just sit back and wait till one of them says, mm-hmm. when are we going to eat? So is this your experience? And then we, can, we both have a child here, so we can see how they read that. But my experience is that Joe was always willing to be helpful. As a nine, he would do anything I asked. Would you peel the potatoes? Would you do, would you, would you? And the answer is always sure. And he would do things as he noticed them. The transition for me has been very challenging from small children to adult children. So you two don't have any idea, but you're going to know. It is so hard to parent adult children because you don't have a place to stand. Right. Except Joe does. What do you mean? Well, he hasn't changed that much. So I'll say, do you think it's really hard to have adult children? Haven't noticed much difference. But that's because his behavior hasn't changed. He's still in the same place of willing to be helpful, willing to be present. I'll do what you need. I'm not going to get involved unless you invite me. You know, it's like, is that your experience that Lauren didn't have to change much? You know, just so the world knows we're in the same spiritual formation group, and the next time our group meets, they're going to be in trouble, and they're not even going to know why. Right, exactly. (laughs) We have a few things to say to you. I think that's part of it, but I also think Lauren is just so boundaried. 
that the things that, you know, if Caroline had a, she went to SMU and then she went to grad school at UT. And so if she would call to tell me something about something that happened at college, um, if she called after nine o'clock at night, she might get to say hello to her dad before he was falling asleep. But he just doesn't have enough energy to stay with it. Mm-hmm. And it has nothing to do with love. It yeah. has everything to do with him conserving his energy mm-hmm. and bound, you know, being boundaried. And so I think he didn't take on, and I agree with you, uh, parenting young adult children is was way harder for me mm-hmm. than parenting little ones. Yeah. And, and I think for me, it was because I felt very sure of myself. Yeah, me too. When I was a uh, mother of young children, mm-hmm. I felt I knew what I was supposed to be doing, mm-hmm. and I knew the answers, and I didn't hesitate even if I didn't know. I acted like I knew, and I moved quickly, and they didn't have much time for pushing back on it. Right. And as they got older, I felt like my, and Caroline and I were talking about this last night, I felt so strongly that my job as a mother was to offer love and support and lay a groundwork for them to be successful, content human beings, Mm -hmm. adults. And then have them go do it. And then have them go do it. And so as they got older, I was, I was pretty strict, I would say, authoritarian mother when they were in elementary school and middle school. But as they got to high school Mm -hmm. and college, I began to let let them have more freedom right. because I wanted them to know that I trusted them so that they could trust themselves mm-hmm. to be adults in the world. Well done. That's well done. And, and, and well said. I didn't want them to need me too much. Yeah. And I, and I, and that might be hard for a, a feeling personality to understand, but I really wanted them to not feel like they couldn't do it without me. Mm-hmm. I wanted them to feel like they were ready. And and so that's why we did a lot of pep talks <laughs> when you felt insecure. Mm-hmm. You, was, can do it, can, you got this. You, yeah. you can do this. Look what you've done. Look what you did last time. Mm-hmm. And you can do this again. So, Caroline, you have two well-boundaried parents. It's very different. Their boundaries are very different, but they both have lots of boundaries. Yep. Fours generally, not so much. Yeah. How, what was that like? What is that like? I think it's hard. Mm-hmm. I feel like a freak sometimes because I know that, you know, I'm told boundaries are good and all of that, but it still <laughs> doesn't too. feel very good. No, I feel exactly the same way. <laughs> and so it's hard. It's really hard for me. And it, seem, uh, it seems easier for them. And I already get all, I'm already kind of aware of what I'm missing and mm-hmm. and what seems easier for other people. That's just kind of how I see. Sure. Cause you're a four. Cause I'm a four. Yeah, exactly. And so, yeah. And shame is right there too. Yeah. So, you know, that's typically my first response and it's not, it's not self pity. I'm not trying, if it is, I'm not, that's not mm-hmm. the intention, but it's like, well, gosh, why, why can't I do that? Mm-hmm. What's wrong with me? So your older sister is a five. Mm-hmm. So that means that the three oldest people in your home all had really good boundaries. Yeah. And seems to me, well, let me just say this is my experience. You can talk about yours. My experience, because I don't have any boundaries when I'm around people who have really good boundaries, is rejection. Mm-hmm. 
Is that what you feel, felt, still feel maybe? Yeah. I think it, it does feel like rejection sometimes. It depends on what it is. But, sure. But I think, you know, I, all the time I feel like I'm too much for people. Mm-hmm. And, and my mom, I think my mom feels that way too. Like she's too much or like, like she's she was, too much. Yep. But it looks really different, I think. Right. Let's talk about that. Yeah. So we actually, in, in talking about the Enneagram together, <laughs> have discovered that, that there are some things that eights and fours, at least behaviorally, have in common. The motivation may be different. Mm-hmm. But, you know, every single day, I wake up in the morning and I say to myself, tone yourself down. Mm-hmm. You're blowing people's hair back. It's too much. Mm-hmm. And I want to get along in the world, and I'm 59 years old. Uh, I've learned Mm -hmm. to soften myself a little bit. And that's because I don't want, I I ultimately am softening myself because I want them to get along with me Mm -hmm. so that we can get things accomplished together. And not so they'll like me particularly, but just so that we can accomplish things. That's so different than me. Right. So talk, <laughs> talk about that. So for me, I feel way too much and not enough yep. all the time. Yep. And so when I'm reminded that I'm respond, you know, that I'm being reactive or impulsive or too emotional or, you know, I'm emoting too much on people, they, I, it immediately is shameful to me. I think, well, there's something wrong with me. Mm-hmm. And my reaction is to withdraw from them. Mm-hmm. And I think that the motivation for me is also different because I tone myself down so that I can be understood by people. But it's kind of weird because if I put on the customer service voice too much, then I don't feel real. Right. So then, even so if then they they're not understanding anything, me. That's right. That's fascinating, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. And yeah. That, I think that's a really tough line to walk mm-hmm. for fours and, and for eights too. Because if people are too intimidated by an eight, they probably won't work well with them. Right. Or they'll just do it, but it won't be a positive working relationship or a positive relationship. And I think that if I, you know, if I don't express myself enough, then nobody's really going to know the real me anyway. So do you, do you think it's because the two of you start off and feeling like you're too much from a different place? Mm-hmm. So in terms of I'm too much because I have too many feelings, I'm not sure what direction to take, I don't know exactly what we should do, I, I'm overly emotional and I need to be understood. And then, Anne, would you say that you're too much because you don't need any of that you already have it already figured out, and you just need people to get on board and do what you want. Well, that's, yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, probably it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's kind of it. Yeah. So what is the, the thing where in a group or in your family you look across the room and you're connected? You know, like where you look at each other and go, oh, I know what you're thinking, and I know what you're thinking. Like, do you all have that thing? I think it's authenticity. It, I, yeah, think I think that, it's yeah. that line. Mm-hmm. Um more than toning down. I mean, we, we talked about the toning down, but Caroline and I both have a, a radar that goes off when people are fake. And 
she doesn't want to be fake and I don't want to be fake. I don't like, I want to get to the point. Right. And I don't trust too much fluff and flour Mm -hmm. and she doesn't either. Mm -mm. And yeah. But I, as a young adult, I think I started being a little bit more, uh, expressive, I think, you know, I would like send, you know, write you this three page or, you know, I'd write front to back on the greeting card for Uh mother's day. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and I do that. That's the way that that's one of the ways I express love. And I used to worry that she wouldn't believe it or that it would be too fluffy for you. Mm -hmm. Oh, but I loved it. Yeah. Because you're in my circle. Yeah, I know. But let me tell you what, it doesn't work the other way. It doesn't work mother to daughter because I'm a two with an eight daughter. Mm. And that emotional, too much emotional stuff doesn't work the other direction. Yeah. It's like she needs me to not be that, right? She needs me to never be needy. And that seems to elicit a do you love me back so much you can hardly stand it response. (laughs) And the answer is kind of blah, right? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So I want to ask you this too. It seems to me that another thing that might connect the two of you is that you don't either one really at the end of the day care what other people think. I care a lot about what the people I love think. Right. But I'm not talking, both of you do. You're talking about like general. Yeah, like, you know, I worry if the lady at the grocery store looking for green beans doesn't talk to me. Oh, uh -uh. And you two are not working on that. No, we're not. But I'm not sure we were in touch with that. That's real specific, too. I don't think, I think most people don't care about the lady in the grocery store about the green beans. All right. So, uh, (laughs) I'm not a four or an eight. I don't. (laughs) (laughs) I care what people think who are not important in my life. Right. And that's what that green bean one was just a little bit too precise. A little weak. I can remember with my child who's a four trying to help him socially by pointing out that I understand that he wants other people to like him. And he really didn't. Mm-hmm. Right? I, it looks like you care what everybody thinks as fours. And it looks like you want everybody to like you. But actually, there's just this subset of people out there that you're kind of after and you don't care about the rest. Yeah, that's true. That's really true. And I... I get kind of annoyed sometimes with my close friends or people who are close to me when they're so focused on other people that they don't really even care about, you know? It's like, well, what? oh, this person is giving me a glance mm-hmm. or what did that mean or what, you know, and I, I'm very sensitive to people's reactions, but I really don't care what the stranger thinks. Mm-hmm. And, I, I, and I really... Like, I'm never going to see that person again. Or, you know, when I, it doesn't have to be a stranger, an acquaintance or Mm -hmm. or somebody whose opinion I I don't really value. I can, I mean, I just kind of brush it off. Mm -hmm. So I'm sitting here uh, in the room with three people who don't really care what other people think. (laughs) But I do. (laughs) You can have all of it. Well, you know, I get lost in it, though. I get lost in it. So. One of the things that I'm observing as you two as a four and an eight are talking is about connections that you have. And 
I'm aware literally for the first time that it would be really good work for me to do to figure out in parent-child relationships what connects and what disconnects. So let's start the research for that right now. And y'all, would you talk to me a little bit about what disconnects for you as adults? Like mm. today, what's the disconnect? Well, we, mm -hmm. okay, so we, we live a mile away from each other, mm -hmm. but we don't, see, we, uh, we don't talk every day. Mm -hmm. We don't, we, I feel very comfortable picking up the phone or, and calling Caroline or texting her if I need to, if I just want to say hi, mm -hmm. but we, it's, it's, uh, I think we found a distance that works for, for our relationship, even though we are in the same city, in the same neighborhood, we have some very strict rules about not popping in on the other person's house. <laughs> if she's coming over, she texts mm -hmm. and says, can I come over? And I do the same thing. So we figured out some ways to be. Mm -hmm. And um, so I think the, the boundary thing we have figured out, mm -hmm. unless you disagree. No, I like it. I think I think sometimes me being doing repressed, mm -hmm. I'm sometimes waiting for my mom to take the lead on something, even something like just picking a place to eat. Mm -hmm. Or, and I don't know if you see because you you said to me that you didn't think I was, you didn't see or recognize me being doing repressed because. I accomplish things and I do a lot, but. Oh, I, I didn't, I think you misunderstood me. I think oh. you're doing repressed. <laughs> I, I, yep. Yeah. Okay. Here's a, and here's a disconnect. <laughs> so. Well, we can clear that up today. So <laughs> Caroline is, uh, achievement oriented mm -hmm. and she, uh, when she wants to accomplish something in piano or, other musical pursuits or career, she sets a goal, she goes after it, and she does it. So she can make herself do things. But on Saturdays, she could binge watch something on Netflix for nine hours. Just lie on the couch for nine hours. Some would call that an accomplishment. Yeah, some would. <laughs> Dolph's binging right now on Game of Thrones. So okay, well, you know it's the last season, right? Uh, I've never seen it before, so I'm on so season. I just started oh, season three. Oh boy, you've got yeah, you've got a way. I'm right to go. after you. I haven't yeah. started it either. This is yeah. the way to do it. Um, I'm yeah. very happy with. Then you can just go. Right now. You yeah. can just watch. Well, well listeners, I'm trying to get an uh, HBO Go login, <laughs> so if you can help me out with that. <laughs> Caroline also, this is a little sidebar, Caroline binge watches things that are scary, mm -hmm. sad, lots of zombies. Oh my gosh, that's one show, Mom. Okay, well, a zombie show. <laughs> she likes. It's something that you don't like, so you really latch onto that oh, one. Okay. This is working. <laughs> They thought we were just being nice to each other. <laughs> this is the real Anne and Caroline. Um, so I, we, we both love to garden. And this is a, something I've loved for a long time. And Caroline has recently taken up gardening. And so she says, hey, By you the know, way, just for the record, I'm out yes. of Willet Basil. 
Could you? Oh, yeah. I'll bring you some. I've got four kinds growing right now. Oh, great. I like that. (laughs) So, um, so Caroline says, Hey, uh, I, I'm going to be working in my yard in the next few days. Um, can I come borrow these tools Mm -hmm. or can I come, you know, get a clipping of something or you said you wanted to share something with me? I was like, yeah, sure. And so in my mind, if I make a plan for doing it, Mm-hmm. Like it's going to be done within 48 hours right. if the weather's nice. Right. I will rearrange my, I'll go to work early. I'll rearrange everything to get home to give myself an hour worth of daylight to work in the yard. Mm-hmm. For one thing, the plants don't talk back to me and I can control them mm-hmm. if they will grow I don't well. think we've identified that you're a, an executive pastor at a large United Methodist church. Right. So they don't really need you either for anything except water. That's right? true. That's true. And to plant them in the right yeah, place. Yeah. Yeah. So if I only c- you could do that with parishioners. <laughs> it's only. Quite, quite the metaphor we have. It's only. <laughs> I, oh, I've I've told a few people that I've named my weeds after church members. Of course you have. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I like and I that just, a lot. I just oh, pull them out. Right out. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. And throw them in the compost pile. <laughs> oh, that's and so you know good. what they turn to. Yeah. <laughs> So I'll say, to, next time. I'll say to Caroline, <laughs> do you want me to bring in these, you know, bulbs from this plant and so you can get them in the ground? Mm-hmm. Oh, sure, Mama, that'd be great. Mm-hmm. And I know good and well that she's probably not going to get them in the ground right. very soon. And that's okay. Really? Your voice is higher. <laughs> no, I mean... I'm not mad at her about it. Right. I just know the reality is she works uh, as a, an accountant and, and she works long hours. Right. Many days during the week, she gets home after dark. And she's watching zombies. And she's watching when zombies. she can be planting. Oh, man, you guys. <laughs> okay, so no here's zombies. the thing. Here's, here's the thing. I don't usually have an agenda, right? But I got what I wanted because I don't want eight mamas and four children to hear, yeah, we got it worked out, and we got to this place, and we, we yeah, yeah, we kind of have it all going on. Like it's we get each other, and there's still all of this. So I want to talk about what's the difference in understanding difference, and are there things for you that are a disconnect? I think my feelings, the the intensity of my feelings, are is still a disconnect. Because I'm protective of myself, particularly with my mom and other people in my life that I feel like won't understand that, Mm -hmm. I just tend to kind of keep it where it won't go there Mm -hmm. out of wanting to protect myself from judgment or, or, or that disconnection Mm -hmm. at all. Mm -hmm. And so I think that there are some times when I could say, you know, gosh, I, I'm just having a weird time, not really sad and I'm not really happy. I'm just mm-hmm. kind of showing up as I am in average space, which is just kind of not cheerful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I still cheer myself up for my mom. There you go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So here's something interesting, and I don't know if you found this with, with your child who's a four, but Caroline is not extremely emotional in terms of showing her feelings. Mm -hmm. So she was not a 
a big crier as a child, mm -hmm. not nearly as much as our daughter, who's a two, mm -hmm. who careful, cried a careful. lot. Oh, careful, careful. Keep going. <laughs> so, so Caroline would be melancholy. I cry as the parent and as the child. <laughs> Caroline would be more likely to disappear, mm -hmm. go mm -hmm. out to the hammock and mm -hmm. lie out in the hammock and just... You know, and I'd be like, where is she? Mm -hmm. Well, she'd be out there feeling her feelings. But I didn't walk out and found her crying. Mm -hmm. But I know now that she was feeling a lot of feelings. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until we learned the Enneagram when I was here with you um, at a minister's conference. Mm -hmm. And Caroline was a freshman in college. And when you taught the fours, I started crying mm -hmm. because I knew I had a four child. Mm -hmm. Because as soon as you started describing fours, I knew she was a four. Right. And then I knew I had not given her what she needed. Mm -hmm. And so I think her feelings are a disconnect. And I think I sometimes, um, I know I'm not as sure of myself as a mother mm -hmm. now as I used to be. And maybe that's okay. Yeah, maybe I feel the same way. Maybe that's part of my journey mm -hmm. um, as a person who thinks I'm usually right mm -hmm. Um, to be able to step back and say, you know, I'm really not sure what to do when I can't, when she feels like she's pulling away from me mm -hmm. and I don't want to be that mother that's the, you know, bulldog chasing her, but I, I want her to know I'm here, but I don't, I can't, I can't enter into what she's feeling mm -hmm. because I'm just not capable of feeling all the feelings that she's feeling. You know, one of the stories, so our daughter Joey's an eight, and she's 41, and her firstborn is a four, because God knows what all folks need to learn. And um, she tells a story about, I don't know how old Will was, but she tells a story he, about when he was much younger, and she said, she and Billy just pulled off to the side of the road, and Billy's a nine. So uh, our, my grandson Will has your parents. Mm-hmm. And she said, they just pulled over the side of the road one day and turned around and she looked at Will and she said, you know what, Will, we're just not going to try to make you happy anymore. And he said, thank you very much. Here's what I've lived into as a two. I don't think I could do that. You don't think you could do what, jo what Joey did? I don't think I could honestly say, I'm not going to try to make you happy anymore. I think I would rename it. And still do the same stuff I was doing. I just think because I'm so connected to other people's feelings and not my own, so that is a problem you don't have no, as no. a mama. No. Because you're not feeling anybody's feelings, and I'm feeling everybody's, right? And so I, I, you'd have to learn. I'd have to learn, have had to learn, how to carry a four's feelings and not try to fix them, even though I have to hold them, which is a different thing. Do you all think it's true? The, the possibility of this hypothesis. The two people in the world who want to feel belonging and accepted for who they are, female eights and fours. I mean, everyone wants to belong. I mean, I, I want to belong, but I'm, I'm really okay with it. And I can sacrifice a little bit of myself to, mm -hmm. if, I really, if I really want to belong, I'll give up a little myself. So my question is, do you think that other people in the world feel it as much as they do? Because I, I sure don't, and I think you sure don't. I think there's one other number that does. I think it's five. 
I don't think fives desire it as much as the two of you do. Is that true for y'all? Yes. Mm-hmm. And I get, and I, more so when I was younger, but I feel very resentful toward my eight male friends mm-hmm. who seem to be able to do or say or spout off whatever they want to say. And they're just strong-willed or good leaders or opinionated mm-hmm. and people put up with it mm-hmm. and people not only put up with it, but they celebrate it. Right. Follow it. And when I, you know, have a moment where I spew um, or I get angry about something and mostly it's not spewing at people, but I do feel like people look at me like, oh, you have bad manners mm-hmm. or, you know, what's wrong? Mm-hmm. Are you so mad all the time? Bad manners. I love that. <laughs> you're a girl from the south yes you i'm a girl from that. the south <laughs> you gotta stop being yourself you're from the south <laughs> yeah. yeah 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 so i think our combined question is really golden because belonging where you want to belong is a thing and yet because the enneagram seems to always be gracious you also are two women who don't want to belong everywhere yeah. No. Yeah. That's no. true. That that like you have that group, but you're not worried about what they think or what they think. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That's a lovely thing, isn't it? It is. All right. Let's talk a little bit about the number you go to in stress and how that affects the other one. Oh boy. <laughs> so yeah, I go to two, and I I have found that. It's hard for me sometimes. I know you say like the number in stress, like you can't live without the number that you go to in stress. You need it. Yeah. Can't take care of yourself. Can't take care of yourself. Yes. And I don't, I don't always see that in my own experience. And maybe it's because I have more work to do. (laughs) Maybe. I, I find that when I start noticing some two-ness coming out, Mm -hmm. it's usually me becoming more more clingy mm-hmm. or um, dependent mm-hmm. on other people, particularly relationships like romantic relationships, my closest relationships, you know, with my family and my closest friends. And so sometimes that's not, sometimes it causes me to, to stay when I shouldn't or to look the other way whenever I, feel like I'm rightfully upset. You know what I mean? I do. I think you've done a little work on the the after effect there. So let me, uh, let's just talk this through for a minute. Sure. And we'll include the rest of the room and the rest of the conversation. <laughs> so the thing that's so important about you using two to take care of yourself is that you focus outward then. Mm-hmm. And you tend to be focused inward and you can't make connections focused inward. You have to focus outward to do that. And it feels like where you are in your journey at 26, which is a good space for this, where you are in your journey is, yeah, you know, I, I, I'd really like to <clears throat> make these connections without having to do that. Mm-hmm. So your description of two was clingy and dependent. <laughs> What, you, do you I don't know if that's that? mean. I don't know if that's mean. No, no. I just it's wanna... actually just true. Well, you said clingy independent. Hopefully, maybe this is where you're going with it. It's just what what you do with the space, what mm-hmm. you do with energy. Mm-hmm. So there, there's low side of 
I'm clean. It turns into clingy and dependent. That's the low side of two. Right. Exactly. The other side of it, which is still the movement and stress is outward focus. Mm -hmm. For me, I go to one. And so I can be very critical and an a-hole and narrow-minded and dualistic, or I can get some things done that need to get done. I can look at myself and the things that I'm, I'm not doing right and make some change. So there's outward focused and clingy dependent and they're the same boat. Yeah. They are the same boat, but we're talking about your relationship with your mom mm-hmm. and she doesn't do clingy independent. Well, Mm-mm. she doesn't do average or below average two-ness. Well, so for you to take care of yourself in this relationship, you have to go to the high side of two yep. and go pick up the bulbs and plant them. Right. But not the needy side, because she doesn't. Because as an eight, in even the bottom half of healthy space, eights just don't do clingy independent. Right. Real fast, can you talk to the to clingy independent? In Caroline? Yeah, can you, or in, can you talk to both sides? Both. Yeah. You've seen, I'm sure, over the 26 years, you've seen high side of two and low side of two. And... I think it would, it, for the sake of the podcast and listeners, it'd be great to hear you talk to, talk to it, what you've noticed. You know that I don't feel my feelings, right? And you know that I don't feel other people's feelings. So I often do not perceive what is going on in Caroline's feelings because unless she and I are sitting together intensely talking about something, and, and like really trying to connect with each other on, in a deep way, not talking about surfacey things. I don't always know when she's in two space unless I see her acting in a way that's o- maybe over-functioning or trying too hard to get people to like her or doing more than maybe she ought to do. So that's what I observe in the clingy dependent state. But I, she doesn't get clingy independent with me. I know I can't. <laughs> she doesn't feel safe, I'm sure, calling me and crying and saying, I just feel horrible. So I don't see that side of her. All right, let's talk about when you go to five. So my friend Valerie says that she knows when I'm stressed because I become like a jackass. My head goes down and my rear end goes up and I don't call anybody back. (laughs) I love that. That's five space. That is very withdrawn, indecisive, overanalyzing, doubting myself, wondering if I've done the right thing, can't decide. And I don't communicate very much when I'm in that space. I don't communicate with anybody very much when I'm in that space. And I certainly, oh, do I communicate with you in that space a little Mm -hmm. bit? Caroline is a very good listener, and she's very good at saying, Mama, are you okay? Mm -hmm. I see you doubt yourself more. Mm -hmm. I can tell when you're starting to doubt yourself and it, it's different. It's different to see that because usually it, 
decisions seem so easy for you. And they're not for me. I don't think I, I mean, I'm your kid. You're going to, you're going to call me back. You know, you're yeah, going to call you back. I'm in, I'm one of the people that you don't really withdraw from right. intentionally or, or keep the distance if I reach out, right. if that makes sense. So I don't know if that I mm -hmm. see that other than maybe seeing her just doubt herself more or question. All right. I one think, more question. Well, can yeah. I say oh, yeah, one more thing about two space? I think I start to feel like every, I, I do start noticing other people's needs more. And maybe that's what you mean by just being more focused outward. But I think my, like we already talked about, but I think my work is to not take on like, I'll find when I'm really stressed out, I, I just find myself feeling like I got to meet everybody's needs right, right. now. Right. And I don't know what to do about that. And I just don't, I don't even know what I need right now. Like, and I, I just got to be what everybody needs from me and put away everything else. And that's a low side of two. Yeah. yeah. And so what we all have to do is work toward the high side. So the low side of five is she just goes away. Mm -hmm. What we all have to do is work toward the high side. But the reason I was asking is because I, I have a theory that mothers and daughters who are close, like you and I are with our daughters, I have a theory that they read us sometimes when we don't read ourselves. For me, sometimes I don't know when I go into four. And I think sometimes fours don't know when they go into two. I do have a theory that eights know when they go into five. It's almost like a decision. Like, I'm done for a while. But you also mm -hmm. say that probably of all numbers, eights go to five less than sure. all other numbers go to there. Because you're not as stressed as we are. Because of self-confidence and all the things that go with it. My stress, my overwhelmed is my stress word. Okay, define that. I'm uh, my number one, neg what I would say my negative emotion, because I don't think anger is negative necessarily, right. is overwhelmed. Like I, everybody is expecting me to do, mm -hmm. because that's what I do. And everybody's expecting me to meet their needs. I'm not talking about my children. Sure. I'm just talking about people, sure. not like my world. Right. And uh, everybody's expecting me to do it now. And I can't meet the needs of the things that are being expected of me. Mm -hmm. and, and not emotionally. It's doing things. Mm -hmm. Can't get it done. I can't get it done. And I, I can discern it in my dreams I have those overwhelmed dreams, mm -hmm. and uh, I, I can't. I'm not sleeping well, and I wake up and I start doing. I wake up rested or not so rested, and I get on my com computer and I start doing things. Yeah. And that's the only thing that makes it better, is to actually start marking things off my list. Interesting. And that f feels like five space to me, because I'm doing a few things. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm even more boundary mm -hmm. in what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Last question. Okay. As a mom, what would you do different in parenting a little girl for? Oh, so much. So much. I would um, teach her that, um, or I would be with her on the days that aren't good days. 
I would say to myself and to her, not every day's a good day because I tried to make every day a good day in our house. I tried to make it organized and fun and have a big seven wing. And um, for Caroline, not every day was a good day. And I think I tried to cheerleader her out of that mm-hmm. some. And I would um, just let her have it sometime more than I did. Um, I think I would encourage her to uh, express those feelings in the way that she needed to, even if I couldn't handle it. Because mm-hmm. I did feel like sometimes I didn't have enough to give to her in terms of her feelings. Mm-hmm. Caroline, what's one thing that you got from your eight mom that is such a treasure you can't imagine life without it? A sense of autonomy. I think, and independence, I think, is a huge value of mine that I know that she worked hard to instill in all mm-hmm. her children. You know, you can do it, and, and you, you are capable of this. I can't imagine not having heard that and where I would be, particularly with all these feelings kind of swimming. Mm-hmm. And it's not that I always believe it, (laughs) but I heard it a lot. Can I ask one more question? Sure. I also have one more thing to say. (laughs) I I wanted to respond to Caroline's comment about shame. Mm -hmm. This sounds really jerky. I don't feel ashamed. Like, I just don't feel shame. You either. Okay, good. And so when she talks about shame and when she talks about how close to the surface it is on everything, I try so hard to be empathetic and I try to think, oh, that would be horrible. Yeah, okay. I'm like, what am I ashamed of? What am I ashamed of? What am I ashamed of? I I have a hard time. Yeah. And that feels like a disconnect. Because if she's being honest with me, and I want her to be honest Mm -hmm. with me, she says, oh, I feel some shame about that. And my first thought is, well, why would you feel ashamed? There's nothing wrong with that, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. And I have to stop myself and just say, oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I hear you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's a huge disconnect. It's a disconnect. Because I feel it all the time. I mean, and it, it's powerful. Shame is, is powerful. But I, I think the opposite is true. Like, of all the feelings that I have, I would put anger close to the bottom. Mm-hmm. I was about to ask if anger yeah. or rage is in your wheelhouse. So when I, I think that both of us can have a tendency to disconnect when we're experiencing those things. We, that What's underneath the surface is mm-hmm. so different, I think, for both of us. And I think it's not just that it's different. It's that each other's is way lower on the list right. or non-existent. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I don't really understand anger that much. And I don't really know what to do with it. And it makes me uncomfortable. And I think that... Does my anger make you uncomfortable? Yeah. Always? Mm. Uh, Less so when it's not directed at me. (laughs) 
Okay. <laughs> I mean, I guess not always. I think there's righteous anger. Like you care about social justice and we can get, we connect on that. Yeah, we do. We can get we, we, up about that. And I think you like my intensity in how I, I can get into it with you. And we can talk, we could literally talk about a social justice issue for an hour and a half, the whole dinner. And we feel so good after. Cause it's like, man, she gets it. Yeah. yeah. You know? And Lauren's just cleaning up the dishes, man. Oh, yeah. He's, he's just, out. He's out. He's checked out. So, yeah. I mean, I, there's a lot of potential, I think, for disconnect with those two emotions being under the surface for both of us. I'll say one more thing, too. I think that the not being okay for fours, it, so, I'll, I would say for me, I'll speak personally. For me, most of the time, it's not, it's not all sadness. Like, it's really not. No. You know, I, I'm really not, like, sad about something in particular. It's, I'm just not cheerful. Or I'm just feeling kind of nostalgic or melancholy. And so the amount of times that people say, what's wrong? Nothing. You look sad. Or cheer up. <clears throat> yeah. I, it's like I just kind of, I just kind of put. A, it's like a knee jerk reaction for me now because I've heard it so much that it's it that makes me feel misunderstood. So I'm like, nothing's wrong. Is there something about me that mm -hmm. isn't okay with you? you right, know? <laughs> right, right. Yeah, and that started when you were a little girl. I would imagine. Oh yeah, yeah. It's oh, everybody. Yeah. Mm -hmm. everybody. What's wrong with you? Yeah, you have so yeah. much to be happy about. Why are yeah. you sad? Yeah, yeah, a lot of that. So now I kind of go around the world with that mask already up. Like, it, yeah. it's not really a mask because I'm still being me, but I, you know, I'm quick to turn on the cheery when I feel like I have to. And then I feel disingenuous. Yeah. And so, the weird thing is that sometimes I actually do get more cheerful because I'm feeding into it. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> if it's my choice. Yeah. I'll so, decide when I'm happy. Yes, exactly. Exactly. All right, um, here's the deal. What I'm hoping is that people who hear the podcast, who have done a little bit of Enneagram work, who would make the assumption that eights and fours don't have much in common and can't really be close and can't get along, it's just not accurate. That's just not true because you have authenticity in common, you essentially have how you relate to the rest of the world in common. Mm -hmm. You have in common that you both want the truth. Not only do you want to behave authentically, but you each want the truth from other people. You have in common that you're not looking for everybody to like you or for everybody to get you, even though belonging is important to you like it is to everybody else. And I, I think Enneagram work and the fact that you all have done it is a really good model for not accepting what appears to be something that's not bridgeable. Because as you guys talk, there's bridge after bridge after bridge that you've built toward one another. So I love you both, and thanks. Thank you. Thank you.